is finally over. Whoa. Ferociously entertaining. A dazzling escape. Wow. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, my, my Michelle Live. Hey, glad to have you joining in for My Michelle Live Entertainment Review. We look at the entertainment world, news, movies that are coming out, and some other aspects of entertainment from a family-friendly perspective. And we really do to get to the God story because in our world, that's what it's all about. So joining us in our fun is the one and only and very cool Adam Rose. Plugging you into the movies. This is Adam Hall. Adam, hey. Hey, how you doing, Michelle? Oh, so good. I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. I'm ready for the weekend. There is a film that we're going to be talking about that I didn't know there would be a sequel and I'm excited about. That's Enola Holmes. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, let's get into some entertainment news. Entertainment news. All righty, Adam, you ready for it? Bring it. This doesn't seem to have a lot to do with entertainment, but it really does. There is a UK study that shows that Gen Z, and those are those kiddos born after 1996, they are starting to graduate college, have their first adult beverage, and they are less tolerant than any other generation in recent history and maybe in the history of the world. <laughs> I say good on them, right? <laughs> you think? No. They say people deserve to be canceled. And part of this is because they have been, they've had helicopter parents that have carefully protected them from anything that could be challenging, negative, or opposing. But Adam, this has a profound effect on what comes out in entertainment, right? Yeah. I think that if we are defining less tolerant as you have to be woke or else, yeah, then that's a big problem. If well, we're defining less tolerant as what, we mm -hmm. can be critically thinking and we can evaluate things and we don't have to just swallow what's spoon-fed to us. That's why I said maybe being less tolerant isn't a bad thing. So I guess it all depends on what we mean by less tolerant. It boils down, it sounds like, to how we treat people yeah. uh, and being tolerant of others, letting others have their say, recognizing that people are created in the image of God, they're image bearers of God, that gives them immense importance, every single person. But when we shout them down, because I don't like what you're saying, and it hurts my feelings, and I feel challenged, and it makes me uncomfortable, that there is a problem. And here's a news story. Yep that is along those lines. Daniel Radcliffe is, you remember him for Harry Potter. Everyone's been re-watching Harry Par Par Potter at nauseum during this season, this time of the year. But he's doubled down recently on speaking out against the author of Harry the Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling. She came out in defense of women. And she has basically said, look, trans women good on you, do your thing, but you're not a woman. You're not truly a woman. Right. Thank you. I agree. Go ahead, cancel me, because I find it to be gender appropriation, Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's, there are so many things that we can talk about here. The crazy thing is, J.K. Rowling has basically said, this is the biological reality. 
and you can think that you're biologically different and want to be biologically different, but that doesn't mean that you are biologically different, that you have grown up as a woman with everything that comes with that. And they, they have done their, they being the woke mob, have done their dead level best to completely cancel JK Rowling. And congratulations to her for not just buckling under because many people would have buckled under, but she has, she stood her ground and basically, and what her ground is, is a common sense position. That's where we've lost common sense. When you think of the idea that we say that sex is a social construct. No, it really isn't. It's biological. There's X, there's X, Y. What is a social construct that we push heavily in this woke agenda is race. Race is a social construct. As we look at someone from the outside and say, oh, they're black, Barack Obama, but he's as much white as he is black. It's a social construct. Uh, We are all of the human race. And when you look at the genealogies tests that people take, we are a big mix of so many, many things. So it really is a social construct. Sex is not. You can be effeminate, go ahead, but in a society where we say, you're not good enough. You need to change. You need to get surgery. You need to alter yourself. Instead of celebrating the skin you're in, that there is a problem. And that's where we're seeing the canceling or people trying to cancel Miss JK's intolerance. The next news story, though, that I want to share with you is reminding us that canceling goes way back. Now, this is interesting. It has to do with a news story from this week. Jerry Lee Lewis, I think he's best known for this song. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. You must love as a man insane. Oh, yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis has passed away. He died this week at the age of 87. So he lived to a ripe old age. Funny though, this blows me away. Rolling Stone, the magazine, criticized him, his the very behavior that they have been promoting since the 1960s. He said they said he's a titan. If you see this headline, you can watch at my Michelle Live. He was a titan, a rock and roll titan, but that doesn't justify what he did off stage. And I was blown away by that headline because Rolling Stone has been hailed as the rock and roll Bible, but it has preached for much of its 50 years, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And rock Seriously? And roll. Daily the Mail. Obliteration of, the obliteration of limits. Hmm. The counterculture that emerged in the 60s, which Rolling Stone came to encapsulate in, what, 1975 or 76 when it launched, was largely the rejection of morals and limits with regard to sexuality, with regard to drug use, with regard to what we do with our bodies. And we're still living in the long cultural shadow of that. And so what did Jerry Lee Lewis supposedly do that was so bad? Was he naughty? He was engaged in abusing women, abusing drugs. He was an adulterer, according to this article in Rolling Stone. He married a girl that was 13 years old. And so 
I'm not sure what's so different than what we see from a lot of the people that they promote in Rolling Stone. And that's interesting right. because another news story, Adam, the Daily Mail was is co- was covering this along with a lot of folks. American writer and investigative journalist Joe Hagan has, was commissioned to do a biography on one of Rolling Stone's founders, Jan Wiener. And yeah. Jan was appalled and furious with the results. They accused this author of focusing too much on sexuality and drug use instead of praising him and making him look like a good guy. He said that it's an unflattering book. It's deeply flawed. It's tawdry. And I'm like, yeah, like everything that pretty much comes out of Rolling Stone. Daily Mail, as you see up, said that it's staffed. Rolling Stone is staffed by a motley crew of bed-hopping pot-smoking reprobates. You can't say it any clearer than that, but that's... Well, they have been been proud of it. That's the thing is, you haven't pretended to be anything else, and in fact, you have said, these are virtues we should all live by, and to have somebody call you out and say, oh, by the way, this is actually what you're doing... (laughs) What's the problem? Wouldn't you just say, amen? Yeah, that's how we've always been. (laughs) Because everybody knows it. It's not a, this is not a secret, right? Now, I should be thankful that Rolling Stone is calling out Jerry Lee Lewis for his bad behavior, but really it is a bit hypocritical to say the least. Yeah, let's talk about exhibit A, the 1970s. And exhibit B, the 1980s, by the 1990s, here's my, I'm going to give you Adam's overarching meta narrative of rock. The 70s, we threw off restraint. The 80s, we completely embraced the idea that there are no limits and no laws and no consequences. And then AIDS happened. And we'll link AIDS to promiscuity. We'll even leave the homosexual part out of the conversation. And by the 1990s, by 1993, we get Pearl Jam, we get Nirvana, we get Soundgarden, we get all of these bands who are writing incredibly depressing music. Why? Because they grew up with those lies in the 70s and 80s. And I think they were beginning to realize, even if they didn't realize it, that this is not actually true. You can't build your life on this philosophy And so we got the depressing 90s music, which was less fun than the 80s, but might have been more honest. But I look at the 90s as this is the result. Musicians that came up in the 90s were the ones that had lived through the 70s and 80s and embodied that philosophy. And it didn't work for them. And I used to joke to my friends, I don't really grunge because it just makes me want to do bad things to myself. And now most of those guys took their lives and I'm not overstating it. And now we're seeing the product, as I mentioned, this study with Gen Z. Part of that study has shown that Gen Z is more depressed and prone to suicide than any other generation. Um, And entertainment is greatly interwoven with the pulse of where our society is. Now, Jerry Lee Lewis was canceled a bit in, excuse me, in his time, after marrying a 13-year-old. My gosh, that's crazy. I should have been. And yeah, and yet his music doesn't promote it. So do we right. cancel his music or we just say, hey, you know what? Straighten out okay. your own stuff. Right. We're not going to have you on stage. 
can I raise my hand here and ask another question? Yes. When is the culture going to have a discussion about rap where all of these excesses are still glorified, women are still treated horrifically Mm -hmm. and sexualized and degraded and abased, and there is no conversation about it at all? Why does this entire genre get a total pass on them? That's a very, very important and profound question. Now, Spotify, interestingly enough, this ties into another news story. Spotify, <laughs> their CEO says I was that, hoping we could talk about Kanye. Yeah, they said really, that they're not, not going to really. ban Kanye's music, <clears throat> even after all of his anti-Semitic rants. Why? Because his music does not violate their standards. His music isn't anti-Semitic. His music speaking out horrific things against this, that, or the other thing, at least to their standards. And I'm wondering where we draw this line because his music doesn't. Jerry Lee, Great Balls of Fire, isn't saying abuse drugs and have sex with underage kids. So where do you draw the line in a country where we're cancel freaking crazy Where do we understand that people are flawed, that maybe the message should be should be spoken out against, but to completely cancel people? Where does it where do you draw that line, Adam? I think it's a tough question. And I'll take it a step further. You and I talk about the God story. Occasionally, there are leaders in the Christian world who it comes to light have done not great things. Does that invalidate all of the ministry that they did up to that point? I've read a couple of Ravi Zacharias books that were profound to me, or Bill Hybels, or we could just go down the list. Does that, we can talk about it in terms of art, and we can talk about it in terms of theology. If someone is communicating something that's beautiful and true, but there's something that's ugly in their life, yeah, what do we do with that? And I don't know that there's an easy answer. I'm going to give you a one-size-fits-all answer. And I would also say with regard to Spotify, okay, that's a self-serving argument. How many streams is Kanye having? (laughs) Because I'm guessing there's a money component here, too. There probably is a money component. They don't want to to cut the revenue stream off. But I'm I'm okay with erring on the side of free speech because it, it opens the conversation when you just put it under the blanket, it seeds and you don't know what's really going on, but it hasn't really gone away. And this is where we need to have conversations. We are cancel crazy in our culture, but I think it is vitally important that we not be afraid of differing ideas that we take it on with truth. Problem is, yeah. we don't know what truth is anymore. Truth well, is subjective. Is it's and, a social construct. Right. <clears throat> and, and yet it's not. They want to have it both ways, mm-hmm. right? There's this idea that truth is a social construct, but there certainly is a philosophy that is being employed that is not treating it like a social construct. They're treating it like a fundamentalist religion when it comes to the woke stuff. It's a freaking jihad yeah. out there. And I guess the question, is there space for redemption? And Christianity actually uh-huh. takes moral failure really seriously, but it takes redemption equally seriously, that no matter what you do, there is opportunity for forgiveness, for repentance, and for redemption. 
And man, there is not much redemption in cancel culture. Yep. And, and I think that they just execute people, metaphorically speaking. And, then and you're that's done. the God story right there. It is the message of redemption. It's hard to cancel completely cancel, ride off, shout down utterly, demand the heads of someone that you care about, right? We stopped caring a long time ago. We cancel, we walk in hate, and we don't realize that it's even harder to cancel people when you realize that you sinned as well. See the sin in others, but we don't see it in ourselves. When we can see, oh my gosh, I am so flawed. I can overlook some of your flaws. I can engage in conversation because I realize I'm no better. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And this is where the God story, friends, it works. When you check your worldview and it works in every situation and brings light and life, you know you're on the right track, and that's why we continue to talk the God story, even in the crazy news of the day. Should we get to some movie reviews? Let's talk about some movies. Okay, let us talk about some movies. I'm going to talk with about one I'm really excited about. I have yet to see it, but we do have the trailer queued up and ready to go. Enola Holmes, if you saw the first one, it was fun and engaging and even intelligent and charming and fun to watch. It was a wonderful romp. Very excited that there's a part two. Do you want to set this up? Yeah, Enola Holmes is Sherlock Holmes' little sister. She was littler two years ago when the first movie came out. She has now set up shop as an independent detective on her own and uh, nobody's really interested in 1884 hiring a young woman except this young girl comes to her and says my sister's disappeared can you figure out what happened and then the game is afoot let's watch and there's a foot right there excuse me Perhaps I should explain. My name is Enola Holmes. I started a detective agency. Oh, hello. But you're a girl. Tell me. Yes. Might your brother be free? My brother. I have not a single case. Sherlock's latest seems to be vexing him. And there he is playing the fiddle like Nero. <laughs> is it true you find lost people? Yes. My sister. She disappeared a week ago. At last. Enola Holmes. So, how exciting is that? It's pretty exciting. Let's talk about it. Have you seen it? I have. And I, I think that I will say if you have seen the first one, you know what to expect here. Good. It's just a <laughs> It's another delightful romp. And just like the first one did, it plays with, we'll call it, proto-feminism. And I think it emphasizes the right kind of feminism and that there is equality, that there is giftedness, there is talent and agency, whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. Now, just like the first one, Helena Bonham Carter shows up as Enola's crazy mother and she's a feminist terrorist. So again, we get that sort of through line because has Helena Bonham Carter, Bonham Carter ever played a sane person. I'm not sure. She's always crazy. But we get a wonderful 
story about her relationship with Sherlock. As she begins to investigate this case, it gets deeper and deeper, and there's a ton going on, and it intersects a case that Sherlock has going as well. And so they team up. There's explosions. There are a couple of people who die. Sherlock drinks way too much one night. And it's funny to think about Sherlock Holmes getting drunk, but they certainly play that scene for kind of humor. But I think the draw here is <clears throat> Millie Bobby Brown, right? Can I say she's adorable without it sounding weird? She's just, she's a delightful character. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, darn. delightful actress, but I like this role, I think, even more than her role as Eleven on Stranger Things because of the things she does with her face, right? She's got that face acting thing going on and you see it when she turns around and talks to the camera. So it's just delightful. And again, not without a few small bumps in the road. There's a scene in which she has to change clothes with a guy and he ends up wearing a dress and he kind of looks at himself and prints and smiles. So that's our sort of wink and nod at woke stuff, but it's not ram down our throats the way some things are. No, put in perspective, I, could that be a reality for a perfectly normal male where you, they put something on, they go, oh, look at me, aren't I pretty? And have fun right. with it. And that's where sure. we miss out because of the seriousness of the era that we're in. We miss out on the funniness and the silliness of all of that, that you can't just yeah. be, I don't know, we miss out on humor because humor right. is now offensive and should be. Well, they had Bugs Bunny and drag all those years ago, and it wasn't a woke statement. It was just Bugs Bunny and drag. Yeah, so. thank you. Exactly. You just took the whole paragraphs that I threw out and encapsulated it in one fine sentence. Thank you very much. <laughs> the darkness that you had talked about earlier in music has also yeah. been infiltrated into movies for a, quite some time, but it has been apparent in children's films that are geared towards children. And that brings us to another film that is out. It is Wendell and Wild. Would you like to see the trailer? Because yeah, I trailer, oftentimes will watch a trailer before I read up on what a film is about so I can go into it without judgment. Yeah. And this one from the very beginning was like, oh, Tim Burton strikes again. <laughs> it, it has no, that feel. No, it's totally Tim Burton strikes again. That's exactly Let's what I it. Time to face your demons. You can just feel it, even, even if you're not uh, seeing it and you're just listening to the podcast, you can feel it in the music. It is A Nightmare Before Christmas Who and Coraline. What are you doing in my world. dream? We yep. are Wendell and Wyatt. Who? <gasps> All right, let's talk about what we're seeing here. Wendell and Wild. So this is a really crazy Snow and Wild are two demons in the underworld and they want to come topside because they have a business plan. They have a special hair cream that brings people back from the dead. 
This is true. I'm not making it up. I, it's in the movie. It's not true. It, this is the plot <laughs> point in the movie. Okay. And then we have Cat Elliot, who's this 13-year-old girl who is living her own private nightmare. She was with her parents in the car. She bit into that apple. There was a worm. She screamed. It caused her dad to have an accident, killed both her parents. She's, so she's an orphan. She's been in and out of foster care. She's going to the worst Catholic school in existence with really wicked and nasty nuns. Of course, because you know priests. how those religious people are. I know. They're crazy, evil people. The but demons? She has a special... Not so much. Yeah, not so much. She has this power <clears throat> that comes to light that she can communicate with demons. Now, she's not really interested in it, but when she finds out that Wendell and Wilde have this hair cream that can bring dead people back to life, she thinks... I'd like to see my parents again because she feels guilty for, as she sees it, causing their deaths. And her life has been a living hell since then. So there are some sweet and poignant moments here. And there are things about her character that are more adorable than we see in this trailer. And even the two demons, Wendell and Wild, they're kind of demons with a heart of gold, if I can appropriate that cliche here. They're not really evil. They're just you know, bumbling, humorous, hair cream selling demons. There's some nice stuff here, but watch that trailer for 30 seconds. and It's dark. It's a dark movie. It's got that Tim Burton vibe in spades. And it's creepy. And so I'll give it credit for having some sweetness to it. Nightmare Before Christmas has some sweet moments too, but I don't ever want to watch it again. Because I don't really like the darkness. And Coraline is the other one that is this really gothic, almost horror movie feel with a little bit of sugar on top. There must be an audience out there that loves these movies. Of course I am not are. among them. But it shows, <laughs> and the sweetness, whatever, you can watch it. I, I'm not sure as a, I want to inundate my children with it. But again, no. that parents, you have to make those decisions for yourself. But what it does speak to is a level of darkness in our society. And as we go back to that very first news story, how has that worked out for us? Gen Z is intolerant and suicidal. That's what it boils down to. So right. maybe we need to think about things that are light and life, that are good and true and pure, lovely, of good report. If it, anything's praiseworthy, maybe these are the things we should start thinking about, no matter right. how engaging and entertaining a movie can be. Right. And I think there's another biblical line that says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Ooh. And here again, we get the representation of the church as being evil and the representation of the demonic forces as being good. Okay, it's all played for a laugh. I get that. But no, it's not right. And, and not right. Don't get me wrong. It's perfectly fine to call out the evil that is in the church because it's Absolutely. made up of people. And Absolutely. oftentimes we have seen some heinous things. And that is perfectly fine to point right. out. However, yes. we have called good evil and evil good we have dismantled anything and taken out and canceled un anything that biblical so there yeah. you go we have just a moment to throw in one last 
film that's cute and leave on the up note. This yeah, is it's only a robot. Midnight Opie. But she becomes a family member. Our whole objective was to build two solar-powered rovers that could survive three months on Mars. And the pressure on the team is really phenomenal. Was Mars once a green world with living things and, and blue oceans? This is the very first time we breathe life into the rover. It's just a box of wires, right? But you end up with this cutish-looking robot that has a face. <laughs> and there it is. Good night, Opie. Uh, we only fine. have a moment, but let's talk about that. This is a lovely documentary on Amazon Prime that tells the story of these two Mars rovers, Opportunity and Spirit. They expected them to be operational for 90 days. Spirit lasted six years and Opportunity, which they call, it's actually Opie, lasted 15 years. And these engineers at JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratories at NASA, they almost became like children. That And it has a very Wall-E kind of feel to it. So it's Oppie, not Opie. Uh, Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, this is a lovely science-oriented, which robot gets anthropomorphized, which is a big word for we began attributing human qualities to it. And these engineers almost, in the end, feel like it's a child, which theologically, obviously, we would have questions about. But they don't really believe it literally. But they're 15 years when they expected 90 days. That's it's a remarkable precious. story. Yeah. And it's rated PG. I think there are one or two mild profanities, <laughs> and that's it. That's precious. Well, some things to look forward to this weekend, and we will connect next weekend. We're getting into the holiday season where some of the big blockbusters and interesting movies come out, right? We are. We'll have Black Panther 2 to talk about next week. So All right. We will look I'm forward see to it, it. Monday night. And in the meantime, this is our encouragement to like us, share us, and make the God story the star of your own life. God bless you. Thanks, Adam. More entertainment at mymichellelive.com.